Welcome to Choate's Litigation Updates, a podcast series hosted by our trial attorneys covering current litigation issues in life sciences, financial services, healthcare, consumer products, and private equity. In today's podcast, we're going to discuss something that often follows a data breach but gets less attention early on than the immediate technical and operational issues a class action lawsuit on behalf of the individuals who had their data compromised. My name is Justin Wallace, and I'm a partner in Choate's Complex Trial and Appellate Litigation Group. I handle a wide variety of civil litigation, and one area of focus is consumer class actions. Joining me today is Adam Bookbinder, a partner in our Government Enforcement Group. Before joining Choate, Adam spent 18 years in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston and was the chief of the office's cybercrime unit. Adam, can you outline the problem we're going to talk about today? Happy to do that, Justin. So the data breach is a real crisis for a company that's affected by it. And understandably, there is a lot of focus on the immediate responses to the problem, including things like getting the threat actors out of the network, assessing and repairing damage that they've caused, whether that's technical, PR, customer relations, or other kinds of damage. And it's easy in the middle of a crisis like that to overlook the fact that the people whose data has been accessed or stolen may file civil litigation, a civil lawsuit, including a potential class action. And that is starting to happen more and more frequently. These days, any major data breach is followed by one or maybe several class action lawsuits. And these can be costly and can create risk and uncertainty at a time when the company is still scrambling to deal with practical fallout of the incident, with regulators, with customer complaints and other things. So before we talk more about this, let me just say a couple things about class action suits. These are lawsuits filed not on behalf of just one or a couple of people who claim they were adversely affected by a data breach. They're filed on behalf of everyone who is affected. At least that's their attempt to represent the entire group of people affected by an incident. And uh, because of that, these are generally not suits that start when uh, one or a couple of people go and find a lawyer who can represent them. Instead, these suits generally are initiated by plaintiff's counsel who, for a living, bring these kind of lawsuits on behalf of classes of individuals. And they find a situation which they think may give rise to this kind of a suit. And then they go out and then they find plaintiffs who they can represent in bringing the suit. The claims that they include generally include uh, negligence, uh, an allegation that the company should have done a better job in preparing and preventing this kind of an incident, and oftentimes unfair business practices, they will allege that the, the company may have misrepresented the state of its security. So Justin, can you talk a little bit now about some of the things that companies can do to begin to manage this kind of litigation even before a suit is filed and maybe even before there's data breach at all? Well, even when a company has not suffered a, a data intrusion, it can be helpful to think through how certain issues would play out if it did face an intrusion and if class action litigation followed. So for example, we recommend that clients review the agreements that govern the relationship with customers or others who have provided personal information. This is often the terms and conditions of a client's website and consider how they'll apply in the event of a data intrusion class action lawsuit. One critical question in connection with that review is, is there an arbitration clause? Arbitration can have many advantages 
It's often more streamlined and efficient, lower cost, but the law on interpreting arbitration clause sometimes evolves. So timely review of an arbitration clause in light of current law can be important. Another related point to consider is do the terms address class action status or possible class arbitration? The Supreme Court has said that unless there's clear intent to allow class arbitration, an arbitration has to proceed on an individual basis, meaning there would not be a class, as Adam was just discussing, if the clause fits within that principle. It's also worth considering whether there's other provisions that attempt to address data breach liability directly, or whether there's other policies that might affect data intrusion litigation. For example, the company's privacy policy, or username and password requirements, and what the company says about them. And then finally, you'll wanna take steps to ensure that the terms and conditions and, and really all policies are enforceable. You know, ensure that any acknowledgement by the customer is sufficient to bind them to the agreement. Make sure that the terms and conditions are hyperlinked on key pages or all pages of a website. You know, each of the things that I just discussed really need to be considered together with the applicable law so that the intent is achieved in a way that's enforceable in the event of a data breach litigation. Adam, can you talk about some of the steps companies can take immediately after a, a data breach to reduce their class action risks down the road? Yeah, I mean, they, they have to start, company has to start by addressing the immediate issues, right? They have to take steps to protect the data that they have, particularly customer data, from further exposure. So that might mean a broad password reset requiring everybody to change their password. It might mean installing uh, and mandating the use of multi-factor authentication if that's not already in place. And then uh, taking other kinds of cybersecurity steps to make sure that this incident doesn't continue and doesn't happen again. Companies are going to also have to consider whether to notify their customers about what had happened. They may well want to do that, but they often will want to wait until they at least have the basic facts down. They know what has happened in the initial first days after an incident. Those facts are often very unclear. And the other thing that companies are going to want to do is satisfy any reporting requirements they have, whether under state law or potentially international obligations to, uh, for example, the EU under uh, GDPR to report uh, the incident. So those are the things they've got to do right away, but they also need to involve their legal team before taking any of these steps. Justin, you want to talk a little bit more based on your experience about why it's important to involve in particular litigation counsel early in the data breach response? Absolutely. So, you know, you want experienced counsel working with you to make sure that the regulatory and reporting responses that Adam was just talking about consider the possibility of a class action lawsuit. You have to remember that plaintiff's lawyers are watching closely. They'll examine every statement and try to gain any advantage they can. You don't want to be caught helping plaintiffs because of something as simple as an inartful word choice. And then relatedly, you'll want to consider with counsel whether there are early steps you can take to limit damages the customers might face, but also to help satisfy their concerns in the hope of avoiding a lawsuit. You know, you can consider other offers that company has, companies have made, like credit monitoring. But again, you're want, going to want to consider that with counsel because some courts have found that an offer of credit monitoring can be an acknowledgement that customers are at risk of identity theft. And you'll want to consider how to document any offer together with counsel so that you maximize the chance that a plaintiff can't turn your offer or the disclosure you make with it into evidence that they'll attempt to use against you in class action litigation. Well, that concludes our discussion today. Thanks for joining me in this discussion, Adam, and thanks to all of you for listening. 
For more information, please visit www.choate.com. You can also listen to additional podcast episodes in the newsroom of our website and subscribe to them wherever you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. The information presented in this recording is for educational purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice for a specific situation. If you wish to obtain legal advice, you should retain an attorney and explain the facts of your particular situation.